You are calling your remnant out in this nation for this time. And we pray now, Father, give us revelation. Give us a revelation of yourself like never before. Give us a revelation of who you are like we've never seen before. But Jesus, you are the centre of our lives. You are the centre of everything that we do. And therefore we give you the centre of our lives, the very heart of our lives right now. So Jesus, I pray, let these words go where you want them to go, to hit what you want them to hit. But Lord, I pray that we are transformed more and more into your likeness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Because you know, the world needs us. The world needs a body of people with so much light on them that will destroy the darkness that is upon this earth. We don't need Brexit. We need a move of God. And if you want to see a move of God happen, then we'll have Brexit. Because we will overcome and break out of a system. I'm not being political. And if you want to know how we qualify from a goat nation, which is what we are, to a sheep nation, I'll tell you how to do it. Look to Israel. Look to Israel. Look to Israel. And you must have prophetic eyes to know what's happening in that country. If you want to know what's been happening in the Gaza, this isn't my talk, but if you want to know what's been happening in Gaza, it's, it's trying to divert the attention of the Israeli army away from somewhere else and put it on the focus on Gaza. Netanyahu, I've been praying all week for that man. And I thank God Netanyahu did not fall into that trap because there is something more significant happening in Syria. And you need to know what's happening in Syria because we are living in biblical times. We are living in what Daniel spoke about all those thousands of years ago. Two and a half thousand years ago, Daniel was speaking about this time. And if you want to know what's happening in Syria, have a look what's happening in Damascus. Because Netanyahu met who just a few weeks ago in Paris? Who did he meet this, just a few months ago? Netanyahu met Putin. And within 18 minutes, he knew exactly where Putin was standing. And Putin said to Netanyahu, we are no longer with you. We are with Iran. And you've got to ask yourself a question. We are living now in biblical times, are we? And the answer is yes. And Netanyahu walked away from that meeting that went on for 18 minutes. And he knew where he must stand. Did you know that the Iranians have been flying into Damascus 747 jumbo jets full of cargo? This has been spotted by Netanyahu and Mossad and all of the military intelligence. They have had their, 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 their defence minister resign because Netanyahu hasn't struck in Gaza. But Netanyahu knew his eyes must be fixed on what's happening in Syria. They have put men on the ground... Am I telling anybody who doesn't... Do you know any of this? Do you? They've put men on ground in Syria, in Damascus. They know what's being unloaded. Listen, the Bible says that Damascus in an instant will cease to exist. That's what the Bible says. That's literal. Damascus was one of the most ancient of cities in the world. And in a moment it will cease to exist. Do you know why? 
because there will be some sort of nuclear explosion. What's been unloaded? The Russians know about it. The Syrians know about it. Why? Because Israel have discovered some of the largest gas fields underneath their soil. And who sells most of the gas to Europe? Russia. Israel is now selling gas to Europe. Do you think the Russians are really pleased about that? No, they're not. We must, people, we must get our eyes focused on Jesus. We must get our eyes focused in this time about what's coming and recognize the times and seasons that we're living in. We are living. Are we about to see the Ezekiel 38 wall breakouts? Or are we about to see the Psalm 83 and Zechariah 12 wall breakouts? You do the studying. I have done my study. My responsibility is not to bring everything that I study to you. My responsibility is to say, God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to bring? What's your words that you want me to say? You need to study it for yourselves. You need to. You need to be getting into the word like you've never gone before. You need to be reading uh, Ezekiel. You need to be reading Daniel. You need to be reading Ezra and Zechariah. Because they're end time books. And Amos. So here's my talk, folks. And I'm passionate about this because I have been on this journey. It has been in me for over three to four weeks. I cannot think about anything else. I cannot talk about anything else to the Lord. And the Lord turned up on Friday afternoon as I'm working on this. And he said, this is what I want you to tell the people. This is out of the words out of the mouth of Jesus. Face to face, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may gaze into the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And when you start doing that and you start seeking him and you start saying, Lord, I need you, guess what? He pitches up. So I want to take you where I've been, literally saturated. I have been in Daniel 9. I have not been able to get out of Daniel 9. And if you've got Bibles, please turn open and open Daniel 9. I think Daniel 9 is probably one of the most prophetic chapters that you will ever study in the Bible. And yet it's one of the ones, chapters, that is least spoken about in church. But I'm telling you, this has an incredible significance to us. So I have to give you some background information before I can move into what I really want, the Lord, what the Lord really wants to say to us today. Because I'm telling you now, we don't have to wait to the end of December to say it's a new year. I'm declaring a new year has begun now. A new year has begun now. You are in a year of incredible change. And there are people set here that are going to be individually seeing a change in their lives. But as a church, as a body of people, we're about the Father's business, are we not? I'm not trying to increase numbers for pews, for bums in the pews. It's not about that. It's about calling out the remnant for this nation. And there are, there are remnant bodies of people like us throughout this nation. And we need to be praying. We need to be seeking God in this. We need to be crying out 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. For this land and Isaiah 44, Lord, will you pour out your spirit, your water on this dry ground? Because this dry ground is so 
dry and rock hard. But it's our prayers, it's our intercession, it's our supplication that will plough up that dry ground so when God pours out his spirit, his water on that dry ground, it will soak away and deep into the soil. But it's our prayers that will do it. This nation will be won by the praying body of people. This nation will be won by the intercessors. We need to be praying for the next, step, uh, the next uh, um, mayor of London. You need to be praying for him. There's a guy that's going to stand up to be mayor from the Conservatives. He's a godly man. He loves Jesus with all of his heart. And he's standing up. Do you know Sadiq, Sadiq Khan has six people full-time working in his office to dig up the dirt on anybody standing against him? Six people working full-time to dig up the dirt. We need to be praying, folks. We need to be praying for, for if there's going to be a change of government for the next leader to come forth. And do you know what my prayer is? Lord, let them stand with Israel. Amen. Let them stand with Israel. Now, in a lot of churches, they say, Andy, don't be political. Well, how can we not be political? We're in the state that we are today because we haven't been political. Of course, Christians should be at the centre of it. Daniel was. Daniel was. He was at the very centre. He was the chief. He was the number two to three kings. So I want to have a look at Daniel 9. In the first 20 verses, we see some of the most powerful prayer. If you want to see how to pray for this nation, follow Daniel's first 19 verses. No, I'm not going to read it. No, no. But you see, Daniel realized something when he was praying and why he was praying in Daniel 9. The fact is that the, um, the Jews had been in captivity for 70 years. And if you have a look at it, you know, the Jewish nation is the only nation that's been taken out of their homeland on three occasions. Three occasions. Egypt, Babylon, and Assyria, and then they were dispersed in 70 AD. But they're the only nation in the, in the whole of this world and throughout the whole of history that has come back to their land retaining their culture, retaining their language, reta- retaining their, their religion, and they took a desert, which what it was in 1948. Mark Twain walked in 1904 in the middle of, of Jerusalem, outside Jerusalem. And he basically called it a dung heap. He called it a dung heap because there was nothing there. There weren't anybody there. There were a few scattered people, but it was deserted. And you need to know your history. You need to know the history of what has been said in the United Nations is lies upon lies concerning Israel. But here we have Daniel recognizing, recognizing that, that the Jews would be in captivity out of the, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah pinpointed that they would be in captivity for 70 years. And you must know why they were in captivity for 70 years. Because as much as this chapter was for Daniel in Daniel's day, it was more for us in our day. And Daniel is trying to get this prophetic layer upon layer upon layer to bring us into a focus of where we are today. And I believe we can, from Daniel 9, pinpoint where we are now. Do you want to follow me on this? 
Right? We, we, we will pinpoint where we are. We were in a pivotal year. And I believe that year started with the Jewish New Year, not our Gregorian calendar. We don't have to wait to December the 30th. We're in a new year. We're in a new season. And this season is going to go from glory to glory to glory to glory because God is going to shine through a body of people that recognize the times and seasons that they're in. And they are saying, Lord, I am done, done. I am crucified and I no longer live. But Christ, I want you to live in me fully because this is not about ministry. This is not about establishing a church. Folks, this has got to be about Jesus. And this whole passage points to Jesus in our day, as well as Daniel. Because Daniel got it right, didn't he? If you look at it, so we're going to have a look at it. But then you've got to realise why, the, why they were in captivity for 70 years. Well, here's the reason. And this figure is incredibly 77s, which adds up to 490. I've got an incredible mathematician with a, with a brain that looks at figures every day. And uh, he's going to check up on my maths. Right? But uh, so Daniel's there. He knows that they're in captivity for 70 years. But you've got to know why. Well, we find out in Leviticus. Leviticus says this. This is Moses writing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Daniel's day. And Moses sees something prophetic. And he says, I will scatter you amongst nations. He's speaking. Sorry, Leviticus 26, verse 33. I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. This is Moses. He's not known. He's known as the guy that brought the Israelites out of Egypt. But he's been prophetic to Daniel's day and to AD 70. The land shall enjoy its Sabbaths or its smiters. As long as it lies desolate, you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths, its smiters. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest. For the time it did not rest on your Sabbaths was when you dwelt in it. So folks, we are told by Moses over 1,500 years before Daniel's day that they would go into captivity. Why? Because they didn't abide by this rule. So for For every seven years, they were told to leave their land, their fields, one year to have a Sabbath, to rest. So all the nutrients would go back in the soil and the psyllium and all the things that we know today. Because God is, he's God, he knows what he's doing. But for 70 sevens, for 490 years, 70 meters, 70 Sabbaths, The Jews did not apply this rule. They continued working the land. So God says, if you don't do this, I'm going to give the land 70 years of rest. Are you with me? So, this is why they were taken out of Babylon, uh, out of of Jerusalem. Because don't forget that by this time Israel was divided into two, north and and, uh, south, in the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had already been overrun by the Assyrians and taken away to cities. But the southern kingdom, where Daniel was in Jerusalem, was taken away by the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar. So they were taken away for 70 years. And Daniel knew when he was praying in Daniel 9 that this time was about to finish. 
that it was their time to, to, to come back. But he knew it, there was an incredible significance to Daniel when he wrote out the 77s. Because for 490 years, 70 times 7, 490 years, the Jews had not applied this rule. But there was an incredible significance to 490. Keep that in your mind. 490 years. So, we know that a king called Cyrus, that is spoken about in Ezra, that is spoken about in other parts of the Bible, that Cyrus would make a proclamation, a declaration about sending the Jews back to where? To the temple. To the temple. Not to Jerusalem, but to the temple. To restore the walls of the temple. And Darius, as we know, also made a proclamation um, to go back and allow the Jews to restore again the temple. Now, you've got to realize that prophetically, God, Jerusalem is God's timepiece. It is the center of God's watch. Not the temple, but Jerusalem is the center of God's timepiece. So, Daniel remembers Solomon's prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then they will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is our prayer today for our nation. But Daniel didn't pray, oh Lord, will you forgive them? He said, will you forgive us? It's collective. We have a collective responsibility to pray for this nation. Because we have allowed it to get into sin. But if we humble ourselves, as we have been doing in this place, on every second Saturday of the week, we are coming together and we are praying this in. We are crying out for God. Lord, we need a move of God on this nation. But I want to continue. So Daniel was praying for forgiveness for himself and Israel. And now we go to verse 20 of Daniel 9. Now, while I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin, so it's his sin, my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplications before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, while I was speaking and praying, a man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. Folks, we need skill to understand. We need to be praying this. Lord, give me skill to understand. To understand. And at the beginning of your supplications, and command went out. The command went out. Where did the command go out from? From the throne room of God. Daniel's prayers, like our prayers, are hitting the throne room of God. And we cannot think about it any other way. When we humble ourselves, when we fall on our faces and worship him with everything that we've got, he will send forth a command. Isn't it fantastic? Doesn't that encourage you to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper? Heidi and I are going to fast this week. And our thing is that we are going to get into deep prayer. We're going to go after God like we've never been before because we're living in a pivotal time. Revival's coming. I'll prove it to you. 
the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and your holy city to finish transgressions and to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for, in, for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Oh, this is just beautiful. To seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem till the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That isn't the 70 of sevens. That's the 62 of sevens. It's 69, sorry, 69. So there is a, a week missing. How many days are there in a week? Seven. It's speaking about the last seven years. There is something going to come on six, in 69 weeks, and then there's going to be a, like a stopwatch stopping at that 69 weeks. And when something starts to happen in the last seven years, another stopwatch starts. Do you understand that? So Daniel has been told this by, by Gabriel. The Messiah shall be cut off. So it's talking about Jesus. But not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end of it shall be with a flood. Until the end of war and desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate. Even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Now that will just blow your minds, doesn't it? Just what on earth is this all about? Well, I'm going to explain it to you. Because what was happening in Daniel's day is happening in ours. And I want you to see this. So greatly beloved. There are only two people in the Bible who are called greatly beloved. Daniel being one. John being the other. John the beloved. Wouldn't you like to be called the beloved of God? Well, guess what? You are because you're in his whole bridal paradigm. Isn't that incredible? That we are his beloved. We are his beloved. And only two people in the Bible are called beloved. But we are his beloved. Because he paid a sacrifice of his blood to call us the beloved. We are the reward of his sacrifice, as I keep saying. So there are only two people, John the beloved and, and Daniel. Moses was called a friend of God. He saw God face to face. David was, was called the, uh, the, the same heart as God. He was a man after God's own heart. So, verse 24, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal provision and prophecy, and to anoint the holy, most holy. What's he saying here? There are two things he's speaking about. He's speaking about the city. Which city? Jerusalem. This concerns Jerusalem and it also concerns about the most holy, which is what? The temple, the holy of holies. So all this verse is saying, this is what it's about, Daniel. You've got to get back to your city and you've got to restore the city walls and you've also got to restore the temple. So we know that two things must happen from this verse. One, the Jews returning back to the land. We see that in da just after all of this happens. Daniel doesn't go back to the land. But, Je but Nehemiah takes them back to the land. 
to restore the temple, not the walls of Jerusalem, but the temple walls, to restore that. But in our day, he's speaking to us as well. The Jews have come back to their land, have they not? 1948, they've come back. But there's something missing. From Daniel's day, when, when Nehemiah went back, they had a temple to go back to. Today, they haven't. There is going to be the restoration of a temple and the building of another temple in Jerusalem. And you will see it in your lifetime. And boy, when you see that, that, that building going up, it will go up very quickly. Do you realize they've got coins now, temple coins? And they've got the face of Cyrus and also the face of Trump. Because they think that Trump is a type of Cyrus. But Trump's more than that. Everyone calls him a type of Cyrus. I'm telling you now, he's not. He's not a type of Cyrus. And you're all looking at me going, hmm? It will make a lot of sense. So, we know that the destruction of the temple happened in 70 AD. So number 70 again. And we know that it was Titus. But do you know that General Titus, when he surrounded the city, he had auxiliary troops. Now, an auxiliary in the Roman army, they were not Roman citizens. He used auxiliaries from the different nations that they had conquered. They had a, an auxiliary force of Britons fighting for the, for the Romans. They had to serve for 25 years, whereas the Roman soldier had to only serve for 20 years, and then they were given a pension, a piece of land. But guess who the, the auxiliaries were? Mainly from Syria. That's why there was so much massacre. Over a million men, women and children were killed brutally, brutally, by mostly a Syrian auxiliary. Prophetic or what? Can you see it now? It's pretty prophetic. So, Daniel recognized 70 years of captivity, but he also recognized it had something to do with the seven T7s, 490 years. Now, this is where it becomes quite... Well, intriguing. But you've got to dig deep. Know therefore, in verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build, what does it say in your Bible? The temple? Jerusalem. It's not about the temple. It's about Jerusalem. When the command goes out to restore Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62, 69 weeks. The cities will be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. So it's about the restoration and the rebuilding until the Messiah's return, the first coming of Jesus. This is all about the first coming of Jesus. But it's also about his second coming. It's pinpointed. So... When we have a look at this, here's another thing. When did Gabriel appear to Daniel? In the evening sacrifice. It's also called the final sacrifice. Incredibly prophetic. Incredibly prophetic. Because we have to know in Genesis 22 verse 13, this is what Genesis 2 says, 22 verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering and said of his son. Abraham called this place, this name of this place, the Lord will provide. 
as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This is God's promise to Abraham, but it was also God's promise for us. Because Gabriel appeared to Daniel, he even tells you the time of the Messiah's death. The final sacrifice, who is who? Who's the final sacrifice? Jesus. Do you know what time the final sacrifice, the evening offering, would take place? Three o'clock. When did Jesus die? Three o'clock. So Daniel's telling us the exact time of, of, of the final sacrifice would be at three o'clock. Because when you see something in the Bible, I dig deep. Because when he gives a specific time, dig deep. So the 1,260 days, dig deep. The 42 months, dig deep. The time, times and half a time, dig deep. The 40, it just goes on and on and on. So God gave a promise. But you know what? In the Hebrew language, 77s, it's a name, it's a, it's a Hebrew for, I think I'm going to pronounce it right, I've tried, I've, Shiva. Shiva. And do you know what Shiva means? An oath or a promise. So from this, in Daniel 9, the 77s, it's God declaring he is going to make an oath and a promise to us and to the people that understand what is happening here. So it's the final sacrifice. Jesus was the final sacrifice. There will be, if every other sacrifice that will happen in the temple that will be rebuilt will be a waste of time. And God will not honour that sacrifice because his son was sacrificed. He was the promise. He was the final sacrifice. Are you getting this? Can you see how prophetic Daniel is? It's incredible. So if Daniel is telling us about Jesus, then what is our job to do? It's about Jesus. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about Jesus. So, isn't it incredible how the history tells us the perfectness of the Bible? History tells us how perfect the Bible is. But we know that when this proclamation, to, it wasn't a proclamation to establish the temple, it was a proclamation, a declaration to establish the walls of Jerusalem. So it can't be Cyrus that we're looking for. Because don't forget, 490 years is the 77s. So when we have a look at Cyrus, Cyrus first issued a decree in around about 538-537 BC, before Christ. And we know that because we see it in Ezra 1, verse 1. We also see it in Ezra verse 6, verse 1. We see it in 2 Chronicles 36, verse 22. And the Bible indicates, does not indicate when this first year of his reign, where this decree was given. So we do not know whether the year involved 53, 538, sorry, 538 or 537. Nor does the Bible tell us when Zerubbabel's party left Babylon and when they arrived in Jerusalem. So we don't know when this decree was, became effective. The Bible's vague about these details and argues against this being the proclamation that we've got to pay attention to. But I think the church has missed something here. Because it's not Cyrus's proclamation. So it can't be Trump's proclamation. Or can it be? We're going to dig a bit deeper. So if we go from 537 BC in Cyrus's reign, we add on 490 years, 
Remember the 70 times 7? 490. Where does it come out at? Around about 47 BC. Is that pointing to Jesus? No, it's not. So this isn't the proclamation that we're looking for, is it? I know you see this. So you, you've got a little smile on your face. So another piece of evidence that this was the wrong decree because it just doesn't, simp- it doesn't work in Daniel 9's prophecy. It just doesn't work. It doesn't add up. <sighs> right. But if we have a look at the 483 years that Daniel spoke of, it doesn't also reach anywhere near Jesus' time. But we know that Jesus, we, well, we don't know. We don't know the exact age that Jesus was. But most scholars believe that Jesus started his ministry in A.D. 27. Because they estimate that he was born 3 B.C. And I don't want to go into the controversy of that. Because it is, I mean, there's, there's a lot of arguments. But I'm tending to hold on to the fact that he was born 3 years B.C. So at the age, in A.D. 27, he'd be around about 30. He started his ministry at the age of around about 30. When did he start? Well, he started it with John the Baptist, baptizing him in the River Jordan. And then he goes into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. But we know around 27 AD, he walked into the city of where? Jerusalem. So it's incredibly significant. 490 years. So we're looking for this decree. We also know that Darius gave a decree concerning with the restorations of the temple, not the city. So we know from Daniel 9 that it can't be Darius's proclamation. So whose proclamation was it? It has to be in connection with a third decree or proclamation. And I found it. It was in the seventh year of Artaxerxes. That's recorded in Ezra 7, verse 8 and 9. And we have the information necessary to locating the time of that proclamation. When Artaxerxes said, go back, he gave a proclamation to go back and build the walls of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And we can pinpoint by the letters that were in Ezra 4 and, and Ezra 4 and 7, um, given the exact time when this proclamation went out. We know exactly what happened. Because regarding this decree, Ezra would left Babylon on the first day of the first month. You get this in Ezra. On the seventh year in the reign of Artaxerxes. Seven. What does seven signify to us? Completion and restoration. It's all prophetic. The completion and the restoration of the walls of Jerusalem. And he and his group arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month of the same year. So we must get to that year. We know, we know where it was. Well, we know, we know it's, it's within six or seven months of each other. Right? We know it can go from one year to another year, and there'll be an overlap. So keep that in mind. It's very important. But we know when this took place. See, Artaxerxes' seventh year began in 458 BC and extended into 457 BC. That was his first year. And the date Scripture records in connection with these 
is with these decrees. There's this proclamation for Ezra's departure to go to Jerusalem. Well within 457 BC. But you see, you can't go by a spring calendar. Spring calendars is the religious calendar. You have to use the four calendar, which goes to four to four. Because the, the Jews have got two calendars. You know that, don't you? So I'm not going to go into that. So we're using, Ezra was using the full calendar, not the, the religious calendar. So it's pretty well accurate. So we know that Daniel came, uh, Ezra went in, and this proclamation went out in around about 4, 5, 8, with an overlap of 4, 5, 7. Take the 490 years, add them on, what does it leave you with? Give or take that we might have a six-month leeway. 26, 27 AD. Have a look. Get, on your, get in your phones. Open up your calculator. Put that date in. 458, 457 BC. Go forward 490 years, and it comes to around 26, maybe 27 AD. This is the proclamation. Artaxerxes' proclamation to go back to Daniel. So, we know that Daniel in Daniel 9, 26, that after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. So we know from, from one verse to the next, Daniel's telling us what's going to happen. The Messiah is going to come in around about 26, 27 AD. He's going to start his ministry, but then he's going to be killed. This is what Daniel's pointing to. So Daniel is telling us the exact hour that he's going to be killed, the exact time and the arrival of him starting his ministry. Are you with me? I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to, because I'm, I'm putting layer upon layer upon layer upon layer, so when the, it will, you will see where we are, because Daniel tells us. That the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the, end, and the end of it shall be like a flood, until the end of the war of desolations is determined. So here we have 62 times 7 that the Messiah is cut off. 62 times 7 is 434. We're missing seven weeks. So, sorry, we're missing... We're missing so it comes to... We're, we're seven weeks short. Yes? Seven weeks. So here it goes. So this is when one watch stops the, the crucifixion of Jesus at three o'clock, the death of him. So verse 26, and the people of the prince who is to come, stop. Daniel is now telling us who's going to come as the Antichrist. Who's the people of the prince that is to come? Who destroyed the temple? The people of the prince who is to come. Speaking about the Antichrist. But who were the people that destroyed the temple and the city of Jerusalem? The Romans. So Daniel is telling us where the Antichrist will come from. Because it's the people of the prince who is to come. Right, but you have to understand something in history. The Western Roman Empire was finished, but the Eastern Roman Empire continued for over a thousand years after the Western Empire disappeared. So we know that it can't be 
the, 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 the Western Empire. It has to be the Eastern Empire. Constantinople was built by Emperor Constantine from the Eastern Empire. This is what Daniel's alerting us to. Where is Constantinople? Turkey. Who is against Israel? Turkey. They are as Islamic as they, you can ever be. They are radical. And they want to see, like Iran, the destruction of Israel. We are living in biblical times. If you listen to what Erdogan is saying, he, <laughs> he is pretty extreme. He is very extreme. He's a radical Muslim. And who are the four nations now mounting up on the borders of Israel? Syria, Turkey, Iran, and Russia. They're, they're involved. Listen, they're, they're, their borders might not be touching Israel, but their people are. There's schemes. We're told about this in the Bible. There are schemes of kings and princes behind whole, whole doors to go to the spoils. Turkey's involved in this. Completely involved. Unbelievable. So, let's move on. I think, I, honestly, I believe that we're either going to see Ezekiel 38 start breaking out or Psalm 83 war start breaking out. But some war is going to break out in Israel. I've been saying that for around about six months. A war is coming. And we need a prime minister that will be a friend of Israel in this war. I'm telling you, we need it. We need to be praying that more than Brexit. That will qualify us. I'm telling you. <laughs> anyway, verse 27. Then he shall confirm a covenant for one week. So in other words, the Antichrist, Daniel's telling us that the, the Antichrist will come on the scene, he will confirm a covenant that will, has already been made. So some war has happened, the Israelites, the Israeli people have, have, have won that war and they have signed a treaty. The Antichrist comes along and he signs, he puts his name by that treaty, he confirms it. He doesn't make it, he confirms it. Do you understand that? Really important because you're going to see this being played out in your lifetime. Because Daniel tells us, if he's got the other things right, he's got this right. And he shall bring, but in the middle of the week, three and a half years, John tells us this. John sees the last seven years in the book of Revelation, he sees the last seven years. But Daniel sees from his day right the way through to the end. So hang on, don't, 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 don't. Yeah. Yeah. And then he shall confirm a covenant with many, with many, the world, the United Nations. This is where the covenant with many is not just with the Jewish nation, it's with the world. He will confirm this covenant. You've seen this. It's incredible. With many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Where? Where is the sacrifice and the offering? In the temple. It's in the temple. He is going to be what Daniel tells us in Daniel 11. He is going to be like Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a type of Antichrist. And Daniel tells us how wicked this man is going to be. And he shall make an end of the sacrifice. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out in the desolate. And you know, Jesus uses the words of Daniel. 
And he calls them the prophet Daniel. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, get out of the city. Don't go back for your coats. He's speaking to the Jewish people, by the way. Don't go back for your coats. You still with me? So, when the seven years starts, the end of the seven years starts, another stopwatch starts. But it involves Jerusalem. It involves Israel. But it will also involve you and me. So when you see time, times and half a time, that's three and a half years. 1,260 days, 42 months, it's all three and a half years. Because God is trying to get our focus on this. There, and, and Jesus tells us that's when the great tribulation starts. So there's tribulation all the way up to then. Don't tell me the First and Second World War wasn't tribulation. It was hell on earth. And every war that's gone on before that, we've had people die in Afghanistan and Iraq and all these places. There is tribulation. There is wars and, and rumours of wars. This is all in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Now, this is where I get really excited. This is what it's coming to. So what we've got now today is someone gave a proclamation out, not about the temple, but about Jerusalem. Who gave that proclamation out last year? Trump. He said, we are bringing our embassy from Tel Aviv and we're going back to Jerusalem. But how long did that proclamation, that declaration go out till it was actually implemented? There was a delay of one year. A delay of a year. And this is what my head has been buzzing with for weeks about a missing year because I gave a great friend of mine and Heidi's, we love this man and this family, I gave him a prophetic word and I said, on this date, by the 23rd of April, things are going to be moving for you. And I, and I had the Lord tell me that. But I gave this word in, 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 in 2016, meaning it was, and I, I just assumed stupidly, I didn't ask the right questions, that it would come to pass in the, the following April the 23rd. But there's been a year's delay. 17. Yeah. So I, I thought it was going to happen. No, I gave it in 2016, in September. 2016, I thought it was going to happen in 2017, or that April. But it didn't happen. Sorry, you're right. You're right. Sorry, you are right. 2017. Mama's right. So, I believe it's this April. And I've been looking for the missing year. I believe that when I gave the proclamation, I said to this person it was going to happen in 2018 of April. Nothing happened this last April. Nothing happened. But I believe it's this April, 2019. There's a, lay, there's a year's delay. And I've been looking for that year's delay. How many people here have heard God saying, this is the year? Well, I'm glad there's two of us, three of us. This is a year. What was last year? 2017-18. I'm using the Jewish calendar. Five, seven, seven, eight. Right? That was the year of Jubilee. Where we... Where, where the returning of land and the restoration of anything that you've lost is restored back to you. How many people here over the last three or four years have had things go wrong? Right, that's all of us. <laughs> right, right. 
have those things started completely writing themselves? A little bit. A little bit. But I'm telling you now, there's a proclamation. It's like writing a, in the year of Jubilee, 5778, they're writing all the, in the heavenlies, in the spirit realm, they're writing out all the covenants, the, the deeds, the cancellation of debts, the increase. They've written them out. But there's a year delay from the proclamation, the covenant, whatever you want, the oath, the promise, there's a year's delay. That delay is on us now. 5779 is the year that we are in now. This is where you should expect to see increase. There is going to be, I'm prof- I am saying this, there is going to be a transfer of wealth for the body who is building his kingdom than we've ever seen before. We are going to see now a body of people moving in the power of the age to come. You are about to see a body of people get the promises of, of, of Isaiah 60, the way we are shining and we will shine bright. There's a year's delay, and this is the year. But what is it pointing to? It's the beginning of a proclamation that went from the 55th, 45th president of the United States concerning Jerusalem. So Daniel is saying, when you see this proclamation go out concerning Jerusalem, know that the Lord's return is coming. When this proclamation goes out, Daniel was telling us it was, he was prophesying the Lord's first coming, but when a proclamation goes out concerning Jerusalem in our time, Daniel is telling us that there is the returning of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and it will happen in our lifetime. It's closer than what we ever think we are. I'm telling you, we're about to see, we're not in the last seven years, but we're about to see the start of the seven years. And it will happen soon. But before that, there is going to be an incredible, incredible transfer where God will put his light on a body of people that the seven church ages from the time of the disciples till now have never seen. And again, the Bible is very clear. We won't have a word of knowledge. We'll be the spirit of all knowledge. We won't have a little bit of understanding. We'll have the spirit of all understanding. We won't have the spirit of power and might. We'll have a little bit of power and might. We'll have the spirit of all power and might. We'll be covered with God all over us. But it will only be given to those people who have done two things. Die to yourself. Die to yourself. It is not about you. It is about Jesus. So get over your pity parties. Get over whatever it is and make it all about Jesus. I'm serious. I am so serious about this. So whatever has happened to you, just like Job is going to come back to you seven times seven. It's going to be restored back to you. So don't be surprised when we hear that people have got cancer because that is not right. And I declare we are a cancer-free zone. We are a cancer-free zone. Don't be surprised when you hear that people just this week have come within an inch of death in a car accident where their car is completely slammed into Karen and Ewan and, the, and his dad. But God is in control. He is in control. But it doesn't mean that we don't have trials and tribulations. We're guaranteed them. Being a Christian sat in this church, you're guaranteed it. 
But when your eyes are focused on Jesus, when you rest in him, he will renew your strength. When your eyes are focused on him, there is nothing else in this world that I want more than him. I am after him more than anything else in my life. And I, if I lose my life, I'm going to lose it because of my love for him. You need to be praying for Heidi and me. I'm serious. Because in Zechariah 12, verse 2, it says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the peoples, not just the surrounding people, but all of the peoples who would not heave it away and surely be cut to pieces through the nations of the earth are gathered against us. Listen, can I just tell you something? I'm a man's man. I don't mind rolling up my sleeves and being dirty. I've, I've been in so many fistfights, I've lost count. But you know what? My blood would boil if, say, France, who hate us, by the way, they hate us, look at history, right? If France aimed 2,000 missiles at us and they fired the first two, what would the British people do? Let it rage. We'd go to war, wouldn't we? Well, Israel have had over 2,000 rockets shot at them in the last three months. Over 2,000. And because they retaliate once, the United Nations go against Israel and the government and denounce it. How demonic is that? But this is Zechariah telling us that Jerusalem will be a cup of drunkenness. It'll be a heavy stone. But God will have a body of people that will stand with Israel. And we will stand with Israel. And I don't care how unpopular that makes me. I'm declaring it. I am standing with Israel. And they have a right to defend their land. Don't they? I'm really serious about this. They have a right to defend their land. You know what? I hate bullies. I cannot stand bullies. And the United Nations are bullies. Iran are bullies. Turkey are bullies. Russia are bullies. We've got to stand with Israel. We'll get everything else. You know, and what amazed me with all the atrocities that have happened in Syria, there's only been one United, United Nations declaration against that atrocity was when the gas, the sarin gas was fired. But, but as Assad, Assad has killed and massacred hundreds of thousands of his own people and the United Nations is quiet. We're living biblical times. So God uses his enemies, but he also, and I'll listen, I'm finishing soon. He also uses his kings and presidents to do three things. To confirm his purposes, to establish his purposes, and to release his purposes. So he confirms it, he establishes, and he leads it. So a proclamation goes out, there's going to be activation in that proclamation. And it's aimed at you and me. There is going to be an activation like we have never, ever seen before. Ever. Do you know Harry Truman was the 33rd president of the United States of America? He was never meant to be president. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt died in 1945. He was the vice president. But you know what? God put his man in, in that position. Harry Truman was God's man. 
And I'll tell you why. Because a, a chief rabbi goes to Harry Truman when the declaration in 1947, the, this declaration just went out in the United Nations in, our, in, in the resolution of 181 to bring back Israel to their land. It was not a popular vote. But because of the atrocities of what happened in the, uh, the gas chambers and Auschwitz and all the concentration camps, the Jews came back to their land. But the proclamation went out in 1947, but the establishing and the activation of it didn't happen until 1948. Eleven minutes after Israel had become a nation in, 19, in May of 1948, Harry Truman rings up the, the, the Prime Minister of, of Israel and he says, United States stands with you. We stand with you as a nation. Who your enemies are, are going to be our enemies. Whoever your friends are, will be our friends. But we stand with you. And a chief rabbi was sitting in the office when Harry Truman made that statement. And this is what he said. He said to him, God put you inside your mother's womb for this moment. And Harry Truman broke down and started sobbing. He was a Baptist believer who believed in Yeshua. He believed in Jesus. And he came from very humble beginnings as a poor farmer. But he knew, he even then cried out, I am a type of Cyrus. And that's documented history. But it's not taught in our schoolrooms and our classrooms. Trump is God's man, but he's an Artaxerxes because it concerns Jerusalem. So, do you now get the significance of it? The Lord's return is imminent. This is going to pick up such acceleration, but it's going to bring an activation. We're going to start, and I, and I want to... It's a one-year delay... So a proclamation of uh, the Jubilee went out last year, but the activation of that Jubilee is going to start this year. You're going to see a transfer of wealth, not into the church, by the way. It's into a body of people, because now church is going to re be replaced by kingdom. It's about the kingdom. The kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about kingdom. It's not about Church, I want to I wanna have bushfire, not call the church, but part of the kingdom. Yeah. It's part of the kingdom. And that's what our job is to do. So we are putting into plan, we're putting into activation. When we can't see it in the physical, but Heidi and I are putting into plan what we're going to be doing. Where we're we need a wall, we need, we need a storehouse, we need to buy a warehouse, we need to fill it with food, we need to put generators in, we need to have a, a car that's can a four by four that can get out to emergencies, that can feed people in, in desperate need. We need to be starting to do this. We need to start activating this. We need to stop getting, ourself, getting ourselves in the way and start looking for the purposes of God. We are going to start somewhere, we're going to buy somewhere. And we're going to start training and equipping when these people start coming in and being saved by their thousands. Yeah. I believe that we are going to see revival start in this city, in this place, for Sheffield. I don't want to bury another young man who's been stabbed. Look, putting more police on the streets won't solve it. A move of God would. Absolutely. But do you see what I'm saying? There is going to be activation now.
this year, starting now. Not at the end of December, now. We're in a new year. 5779. We're in that new year. Then I had, I'm finishing, but this is where I want activation in you. I had the Lord come to me on Friday afternoon as I'm sat at my desk and he said, will you come and sit with me? Yes, Lord, I will. I didn't even tell Heidi about this. And I sat down with the Lord and the Lord said, I want you at the end of this talk to say this to the people. And you are to get up, you're to put your arms out forward for those that feel inclined to do so. You don't have to. You know, you've got a freedom of choice. Now listen, I didn't see this until yesterday when the Lord gave me this because it's revelation upon layers of revelation. I was preaching this in London yesterday and I suddenly saw it for the first time. I went, oh wow, Jesus, you didn't tell me about that part. He doesn't give us the whole picture. He asks us to go deeper. Deep goes unto deep. But he said, preach this to the people. And this is one of the first messages I ever preached over 12 years ago in an upper room at Jackie Shuttleworth's. And I wasn't even a church. We weren't, we, bushfire was a thousand miles away. And I preached this message. And it's got more relevance now because they've come out of the mouth of Jesus. Can I give it to you? Turn to Joshua 3, verse 2. And it starts with these words. So it was after three days. <gasps> it hit me yesterday. Three days, we're in a new day. If one day is a thousand years, then we're in... A new day. We're in the start of the thousand year. A new thousand years. We're in the third day. We are about to move into the thousand reign of Jesus on earth. And his kingdom will come. And we will be involved in this. We're in the third day. This has come out of the words of Jesus. And he didn't tell me this. But the spirit of revelation was on me. That the officers went through the camp and they commanded the, the saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant go before you. Stop. What's the Ark of the Covenant? It's the presence of God in something, in a wooden box. It's the very cavard presence. We sung it. It's a kind of glory come down. It's the presence of God. And what tabernacle is restored at the end day? It's the tabernacle of David, not Moses. It's the tabernacle of David. What was special about the tabernacle of David? He put it on the hill and it shone out and everybody saw it. God is about to tabernacle in his people before he comes for his people. He is about to tabernacle in you and me. When we see the presence of God before us, the presence of God fell in this place. And it's been falling in this place. And I'm almost expecting revival to break out at any minute. But we have to press in to the presence. We have to press in to the presence because it's all about Jesus saying when you see the Ark of the Covenant the Lord your God with the priests and the Levites bearing it you shall step out from your place and go after it in Revelation 14 it says there's a body of people that are going to learn a new song and they will follow the Lamb wherever he goes this is what it's talking about it's a body of people that aren't focused on themselves it's focused on they've got their focus on the Lord there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. 2,000 cubits is about 2,000 years. When did Jesus walk on this land? His very presence, the very presence of God, walked on this land just over 2,000 years ago. He's about to walk in this land again, in their body of people, you and me. 
you and me. This is the activation that we've all been waiting for. Do not come near it. In other words, God said, Jesus said to me, tell them, do not touch the glory. Do not make this into a ministry. Make it about him. Let God have all the glory. We are not to touch this glory in the music or anything else. Into me, I am not touching this glory. This is all going to be about Jesus. Yes? Promise me. Nobody to make a ministry out of it. But many of you will go out in it. But you make it about Jesus. But listen to this. Do not come near it that you may know which way you must go. For you have not passed this way before. God is about to pour his new wine, his new oil into new wineskins. What does that mean? Well, it means basically we're not the old wineskin. We can't do what church does. We've got to move in the new things of God. We can't have three hymns and a three-point sermon anymore. We can't have that. That is gone. The establishment of religion is gone. The traditions and things of men is gone. There's a new way and his name is Jesus. It's got to be about Jesus. Now, if you want to call me a radical fanatic about Jesus, hands up. Guilty. I am guilty. I am radical because I'm passionate for him. I was speaking to a Muslim man yesterday who converted to the ways of Yeshua. And guess where he came from? Niger, which is predominantly Muslim. And do you know what his heart is? This is how we should be. His heart, he says, I prophesied unto him. I said, you're going to go back to your country with the power of the age to come. He's an evangelist. He tells about Jesus all the time. But his heart is burning to get the power of God on and go back to Niger and tell them about Jesus. And he will lose his life. But he is ready to die for his belief. So how much more should we be ready? You have never passed this way before. What we're about to enter into two kingdom builders, not church, kingdom builders. What we're about to enter into, we have never been this way before. So we can never boast about it. What some people touched on, we will move in. We will move in the power of the age to come. We will move on uh, Isaiah 11, verse 2. We will have the sevenfold spirit of God on us like never before because we're going to be building his kingdom. We're going to be building his kingdom. So Joshua said to the people, and this is what we're going to do, sanctify yourselves. Sanctification means to set yourself apart for the purpose of God. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9 not for your purposes, but for his purpose. You are going to set yourself apart for tomorrow. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, if Jesus said this to me on Friday, and said, give it, I believe in it, tomorrow is a new day. We're in the third day. Are you with me on this? Right? Do you want to set yourselves apart for his purposes? Will you set yourself apart for his purposes? Some of you might not want to. And that's fine. But you know what? It's just in me to be on the front line of what God wants to do. I don't want to be in the second line. I want to be in the front line. We're going to set ourselves apart. And we're going to say, God, it's all about you. And I'm setting myself apart because you promised me now that when I sanctify myself and set myself apart for you, you will do mighty things through me. 
Not for me to look good, but for you to get all the glory because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus says, I have come to glorify my Father and my Father in me. He is going to be glorified through a body of people. Let's stand up. I may ask Richard and Andrew to to come and continue praying over you or Heidi too. But I want you now to stretch forth your hands if you feel that this is you. Because listen, you are kingdom builders. You're not church builders. You are kingdom. Every single one of you. And if you haven't got it yet, don't worry, you will. The Spirit of God will flood into you like never before when you set yourself apart for His purposes. Please do not make this about yourself. We're guaranteed trouble. We're guaranteed trials. But embrace them. Rest in my presence, the Lord says, and I will renew your strength. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not be faint. Ha, I want to run again. So, Father, we stretch our hands before you. Jesus, you said these words, that if we set ourselves apart you will come into us and activate us and that revival will break out among us because first you start in this temple and then you will start in this temple. And Lord, I pray now that we, as we stretch our hands out, we set ourselves apart for your purposes now. This is not about us. This is about you, Jesus. You are the very centre of our lives and we give ourselves to you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, help us to ever be increasing in dying to ourselves but become alive in you, Jesus. I pray now, put your hands on your hearts. I pray now, Lord, come and take this heart and make it yours. Lord, I pray now, make this heart all about you. That there is nothing of me that will get in the way but there is everything of you. And I pray, Lord, from this heart, into every situation, your love is poured out to a generation that doesn't know you. I pray that in an ever-increasing way. Lord, and I pray now, this heart is set apart for your purposes. Now, Lord, fill this wineskin. Fill this wineskin with your presence. I just see jugs of oil Oil in the Spirit being poured out over us right now. Some people may feel, you may not feel. It doesn't matter. But I feel an anointing coming on my head, like the pressing down of oil in my hair. Because the Lord is pouring out a new oil and a new wine into new wineskins because you have set yourselves apart. And can I just say for anybody here, I'm not saying anybody here is, but sexual sin is going to be exposed. Sexual sin will be exposed. You have got a very short time. I'm not saying this to anybody here. I'm just saying this in the spirit because sexual sin is going to come out in church and and over people. It's going to be exposed. And I'm just giving you that warning. If that might be you, you've got a hidden sin that the world doesn't see but the Lord sees it. You are to set yourself apart. You are to clean yourself up. You are to say, I will not do it again. So Lord, we do not want our hands for sin, but we want our hands made for battle and our fingers for the fight. But we dedicate ourselves to you now. 
we give ourselves to you now. We make ourselves available to you now. We lay on that altar and we will only get up and do what we see the Father doing. Lord, let us be so kingdom-minded. And Lord, I pray, let your presence fall in this place, especially when we have the Holocaust Memorial in February. Let your spirit fall on the people. Let it fall on every man and every woman and every child in this place. Because Lord... If it wasn't for the Jews, then we wouldn't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. And we thank you for Israel. Lord, we thank you for Israel. We thank you that you have made it through the Jewish nation, that we are standing here today. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we stand with Israel. We pray for the peace of Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. And Lord, if you think... If the people think that you are done with this and this replacement theology, they do not know their scripture. Because, Lord, you will come and make Jerusalem your dwelling place. But, Lord, I pray now, will you shine out from among us? Shine out with power, resurrection power. This is the time to expect limbs to grow. For people who haven't got body parts to have them restored. This is the time for healing. This is the enunciation of activation that Jesus said, I have come so the blind shall be restored. Sight will be given to the blind. Hearing to the deaf. The dead shall be raised. There'll be cleansing of the lepers. They'll be driving out of demons. And Jesus says that we will do the greater works. So Lord, I pray now, let the spirit of Elijah and Elisha fall upon us now. Lord, and I pray, let us be trustworthy. Let our character shine more than our ministry. Let our character, Lord, of love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and patience and being of good control. Let all of these nine fruits, Lord, shine brighter than the nine gifts. But Lord, let it flow out of love. That Lord, that when people come into this place, they will experience you as their love. You are, you are, says the Lord, the apple of my eye. You are my first love and always have been. And I demonstrated that love to you by sending my best, my son, to be crucified, to die on that tree for you, out of love for you. So Lord, we pray, give us an increasing measure of your love, that we will shine out your love to a broken generation that doesn't know you, doesn't want you, But Lord, when we start healing them, raising their dead up, they'll want you. But Lord, let you be glorified out of this place. We dedicate this building to you. And Lord, we ask you now to cover us with the blood. Seal this in. Seal this in us. That from this day forth, Lord, we should be expectant for you to activate this in our lives. Can I ask you parents and grandparents to give your children to him?
I see like an offering of Samuel. Just offer your children, even, even if they don't know Jesus. I'm declaring today they will. And, their grand, and your grandchildren. Lord, be upon our kids, our young children, and our young grandchildren. Lord, we give them to you. They are a gift from you. But Lord, I pray, let them shine out Jesus. Let them come into a knowledge of who you are in an ever-increasing manner. And let them become radical for you, Jesus, more than they are radical for this world. Lord, let them become your first love. But Lord, I pray, let your water pour on this dry ground. Let your water be poured out in this city. In Jesus' mighty name. And if anybody wants to pray something that I haven't prayed, please feel free. If you want to sit down and still soak it up, sit down and just wait on the Lord. You've got permission.